1: Around the NFL podcast
2: is accepting tailgate invites. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. What is happening? Things are great. Things are really great um, because it's good to be alive. (laughs) <laughs> I've been all over this world, guys.
3: And I Dan, Dan's especially nice. happy because right. he's in the country, the United States. The only States country of he
4: likes.
2: Uh, that is totally untrue. I am a world traveler compared to some people in here. We were talking about before we came on. Uh, this is where I've been. A lot of countries. You ready? America. One. Doesn't count. Uh, Texas, two. It's its own country. <laughs> Ask anybody from Texas. Texas declares they have their own state flag. That's that they've all been to Texas.
3: The they have well, they're their wrong.
4: Own odd curriculum too.
2: That's two. Mexico, Cancun, spring break, two K one. What a party!
4: Culture, I like it.
2: Canada, and my paramour, Kirby up in Toronto. <laughs> I in forgot my past. about your made up relationship with Kirby. The motherland, Ireland, ninety six. Nice week on the buses, seeing all the great Emerald Isle. It's a lot of places. So anybody, you want to come at me, Mark, like you were. Well, it wasn't about
3: that you hadn't traveled as much, although that's true, too, as much as you just didn't like or see the need to ever leave the country in the future. You, I, My wife always comes, is like, we got to go somewhere. We got to go somewhere. I'm like, ah. Well, I'm she's good. right. It's good.
2: I'm, I'm happy right now. <laughs> Maybe down the road, I'll see I'll see the earth.
4: You've made some slightly jingoistic comments. Yeah. Mm. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I disagree. Dan's like, "Yeah, once we have a, you know, more kids, they get old, then it'll become really easy to." Travel. Oh, what's my Jingo's is the comment. Best damn country in the world. That one?
1: Don't need to go anywhere else. As I'm good Gre- here. As Greg mentioned, you don't have to challenge that if you don't go anywhere else. And it's like this is all a roundabout way for
2: Mark to mention, "Oh, I used to live in England." All right, Mark, we got it. <laughs> Jeez. You mentioned it. I'd not
4: say it. a word of time in Australia.
1: It's like, oh, I was in Easter Island. All right. What do you want from me? I was keeping relatively quiet because you embarrassed yourself before the show with your with your perspective. It was downright embarrassing, and you should listen to your wife.
2: Listen, I'm just a regular Joe. I don't have a ton
1: of dough no, to it's travel not a regular around Joe. the planet
2: like some other people. I don't know what happened in your Connecticut upbringing. It's, it's not
1: regular behind Joe. Your ivy walls. It's not a regular Joe scenario we're dealing with here.
2: The old Zeuser. He's a man of the people. <laughs>
1: The who old Zeuser is, is like a raging fireball diva about to take the showdown four minutes in.
4: The guy who nicknamed himself after the greatest god in history who lives on Mount Olympus is a regular Joe.
2: Just a guy, man. I'm a jag. This is the Around the NFL podcast uh, Tuesday edition. Uh, you know, so you know what happens on Tuesdays. We We got a lot of stuff to get to, and I'll go over it real quick before we get into it. We're going to recap that Monday night football game uh, a wild ending, the Seahawks and Lions. I'm sure there will be plenty of hot takes. Hot takes of plenty from the around the NFL team, including Wes wearing a Henley shirt today.
4: Is that what it is? Yeah. I don't think it is. Very masculine. I don't think it is a Henley.
2: It's close, though. It's got the buttons. Hmm.
4: All right. Whatever you say.
2: Uh, we will also – everyone. you guys are just questioning me on all, all turns. Tonight. Well, it's time. Uh, <laughs> also, we have um, some news to get to. We have to fork some teams. Uh, we forked how many teams last week? Four? Not enough. No one No one knows it's like the there. entire AFC South. Okay, we forked, I believe, four teams last week at least. We'll double check on that. And that means that they have no chance of making the postseason. And there are going to be, gentlemen, three more teams that join that group. Our stick of fork in them uh, chatter. Also, we are going to do our Thursday night preview um, of the Thursday night football game between Mark... The Houston Texans
1: and the Colts of Indianapolis.
2: Very good. And then uh, we will do, you know, we had our power poll that we unveiled, Mm. I believe, the last day of August, um, about a week before the season started. And now with the season one quarter through, Greg, 16 games for each team, each regular season, 16 divided by four is four so this seems like a good time to check in on our power poll, our second edition of the power poll, and we'll also check what we have right, what we have wrong, what what's cooking.
3: What's well, changed yeah. in the power poll. And that'll be up on the website as well. Maybe Something. we'll we'll do nfl.com slash power poll. Yes. <laughs> I like that.
1: It's a good
2: <laughs> Now I have to remember URL. to do that. And uh, so that's what's coming up on the show. Very exciting show. Um, I look forward to every time, Greg, I come upstairs, look forward to this. This is fun. This this is what it's all about. This isn't work. Greg barely alive right now. He's trying to get something out of him. There's not much there right now.
3: Well, I'm just saying, let's get to the news. Let's All right. go. All right. Sorry. All right, boss.
2: Before we get to the news, though, behind the glass, we have, you know, the Irishman, Brendan McGuinness, is gone. Um, Thank su- you.
4: For, now that he's gone, you dropped the tea from his last day. <laughs>
2: Sully, I finally was made aware that there was no tea on his last day. Sully's also gone. They did great work, but now rising uh, a real. F- Future star is Sydney Carlson behind the glass.
1: What's up Sydney? Hey guys. Phil Sydney. Great Welcome to be here. Great to be part of the team.
2: Yeah, so Sydney will be helping us out on Tuesdays and Thursdays and we'll we'll be getting to know each other. Right now it's it's almost like that first day of school thing where you know, you're just feeling each other out. In a couple of weeks it will be like just a bunch of buddies. <laughs> right?
1: Well said. <laughs> Whatever, Greg. Why are you on my case today? Dad Dad, concerned about Sully, by the way. Why? Saw some image. I think it was on Facebook, some sort of social media platform, where he was. He's back in Tennessee. Uh oh. He was at a Vols game. His his plan for like the next two plus month is just to stay at his parents' <laughs> house and go to Tennessee Volunteers mm-hmm. games. Just some wild. He looked massively inebriated to me. Just dressed in orange from head to toe, otherworldly. Sully doing absolutely nothing with his adult life.
4: That sounds. Like the picture of any Sully event I've ever had in my mind.
2: Sounds great. It sounds awesome. All right. So let's, uh, before we get into the news, Sydney, uh, why don't we do a little Monday night football? Ooh, jaunty. <laughs> Cam Chancellor, Seattle Seahawks, Seahawks, Seahawks safety, punched the ball out of Calvin J- Johnson's hands at the goal line, preventing a game winning touchdown in the Seahawks' 13 10 win over the Lions on Monday night. And of course, uh, that was not the biggest story, unfortunately. After the game, it was the call that was missed by officials. The ball being uh, punched out of bounds by C- Seahawks linebacker K.J. Wright. Should have been a penalty for batting the ball out of the back of the end zone. First and goal from the one for the Lions. Instead, the call is not made. Game over. The Detroit Lions 0-4. Uh, rest easy in that good night. The Seahawks a very lucky and fortunate. Chris Wessling 2-2, and right?
4: No, the Seahawks aren't lucky. They, oh, come on. How is that not lucky? Game. How is that not lucky? They controlled the whole game. All K.J. Wright had to do was fall on the ball. I, don't, I, don't, I hate these little controversies that everybody gets worked up about when they really have little to do with what happened in the
3: game. Well, that that's fair, and I agree. That said, the offense all night for Seattle had nothing going except for just Russell Wilson's scrambles. And if one of the greatest receivers of all time doesn't fumble at the one-yard line, they're facing – uh, and it was totally a great play by Cam Chancellor. He deserves credit for that. But he should have tucked the ball away, Calvin Johnson. They were about to be trailing and staring at a one and three record unless they went down and scored a touchdown. So they still have to be considered fortunate that they got this call going their way. Well, of course. I fully expected Russell Wilson to lead them on a touchdown what did he what did he show in the second half or really the whole game that that made you think that that was going to happen
4: I think it's more about what Russell Wilson showed in his career and I, I just believe in him I I don't the Seahawks were in control all game they got you know there was, there was a fumble that the Lions returned for a touch. The Lions couldn't do anything on offense.
3: Right. They were two very similar-looking teams, I thought, most. Well, the, of the
4: Seahawks game. could do a few things, let Russell Wilson run around for eight seconds in the pocket and then make a couple of plays. But that was the only offense this, in the
2: game. This is a terrible job, though, by the Seahawks. They were up 13-3 in complete control. The offense completely sputters out. And, yeah, I don't disagree, Wes, that I could see – Uh, if the Lions did score that touchdown, I could see the Seahawks come back to win it. They're not a team you can count out, and that offense comes to life out of nowhere, it seems, at times. Uh, But 13-3, they turn the ball over at midfield, and the Lions can't do anything about it. Then Russell Wilson turns it over again, running for the touchdown, a three and out, and now here comes the Lions marching down the field for the win. Uh, The Seahawks, this was not a great performance by this team, and I still think... That there is reason, a lot of reasons to be concerned if you're a Seattle fan that this team has not come together.
1: Well, I for it's uh, Seattle's the kind of team that will come together and figure itself out. They've done that the, last year at this time. We were very concerned yep, about the they Seahawks. They started slow, but it, it's not a formula. It's a formula to win when Russell Wilson is as mobile as he is and, and is so aware of the field and where his receivers are, and he's able to extend the plays with his feet the way that he does, doubling the length of passing plays. But the offensive line is a legitimate sieve. It's I don't know if that's a formula that you can count on for long before disaster will strike. I mean, it's going to affect your quarterback it, after some time.
3: It reminds me of Russell Wilson's rookie year, which they started out and they were not able to throw the ball at all. And eventually they turned it around. And last year where they started out very slow offensively and they did turn it around, but I, I think this is a problem. I think Russell Wilson gets a little bit of a pass. Granted, the offensive line is bad, but he still took two sacks. He fumbled twice. He led the league in fumbling two years ago. He led the league in fumbling last year. And now he had two fumbles last night, one return. So that's part of the equation when you talk about Russell Wilson. I don't think you can totally ignore that when comparing him to some of the best quarterbacks in the league. They're not leading the league in fumbling. They're not fumbling as often. If Jay Cutler did something like that last night, you know, we would kill him. But that's uh, that's, going to happen because of his mobility. It's
4: completely unfair. He gets a pass for a reason because they built this roster to rely wholly on Russell Wilson's sandlot football ability. And when you are forced to run around in the backfield – for seconds and seconds and seconds on every play fumbles are going to happen that's how they
3: built their team some people would argue he has to run around though because he doesn't see open receivers so it's all it's all it, it's what he does well he's an amazing quarterback but it all kind of comes together I mean sometimes he's got to get rid of the ball sooner than and he does
2: the other part of this offense yeah the a big part of this offense is what Russell Wilson can do and and making things happen but it's really this offense has always been built around that run running game and Lynch. Uh here's the the connected tissue between Marshawn Lynch's first three games and then Thomas Rawls is getting swallowed up behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah. And that's back to your point, Mark, that this team is not run blocking well. Russell Wilson is scrambling constantly. There's just no there's no there's no way for this offense to get into a groove, and I thought it was telling John Gruden at one point, uh highlighted uh Russell Wilson took off when Jimmy Graham kept running downfield, didn't pick up a, an outside blocker, and Gruden and made a comment along the lines of, Jimmy Graham doesn't know what he is in this offense, doesn't know what he's doing in this offense. There's still a lot of stuff that needs to be get worked out here.
1: But I think that's, that's not a shock to me. When you don't have Lynch on the field, you're still figuring it out with Graham. That We're not going to see their prime performance in week four. Their best offense has been their defense. Yeah. Because when you're going to allow 10 points or, or you're going to shut out the Bears, the offense doesn't have to do much. Now, last year in games, they did and they responded. I don't, don't see them being able to score 20 plus points a game if they get into that situation.
3: I think they'll figure things out, but they need to figure out what to do with Jimmy Graham because, you know, he got hammered in the pregame shows for his poor blocking this year, and they usually count on the tight end to block. And they, they just need to figure out how to best use him because it's not happening right now. He has not been much of a factor, and they really seem to miss Max Unger. I mean, they had a Pro Bowl center, and that's where a lot of the pressure was coming last night. And I do agree with you, Wes, to talk a little bit about the call that it was, a, it was a little bit of a technicality. I totally understand why people were up in arms about it. It was such a bad call that Dean Blandino got on the air immediately after to say it was a bad call. For, for him to do that, it's saying we couldn't have screwed this one up more. Now, maybe it's a stupid rule, but he was basically signaling, you know, it was a, it's a terrible call. If there's any gray area there, he's not going to get on the air and say, you know, our bad right away. Isn't the whole
1: process what's broken about it. And Dan mentioned this on the Dave Damashek football program earlier today too, just that when everyone, let's not sit around and pretend we knew the rule. Maybe, maybe one out of a thousand people are sitting around knowing that rule. But the point is when the ref doesn't catch it, but your command nerve center in New York, or most fans after it's discussed after a while, realize that a grave mistake was made, then you have to be able to reverse it.
3: You can't have these calls that aren't reversible. It's tricky. I mean, why is it tricky? Bill though? Belichick would like everything. Black eye. Bill Belichick would like everything to be reviewable. You know, the NFL would say we don't want to review judgment calls. I understand why this is a judgment call on some level. Maybe you make it that everything inside two minutes is reviewable.
4: I would take the 180 degree opposite view of Bill Belichick and make nothing reviewable. disrupts the flow of the game, Mm. makes a mockery out of the catch rule, and just manufactures controversy that we don't need. Here's the problem with that, though, because we've already been down that road. road? There is more controversy with the replay than there was without it. Just wait. They They had to
2: replay in the early 90s. They got rid of it. And then calls are getting missed over and over again. It cost the Seahawks a playoff spot in '98, yep. which is the impetus for it coming back in '99. You just have the same different problems, but same issues. It would just be different. That's issues. jobs right. and money,
4: right? And without replay, it doesn't dis- disrupt the flow of the game. You're still getting controversy. You still pay, you're a league who pays people to explain roles to the audience because the audience doesn't understand them.
3: <laughs> Every network employs a rules It is tough.
4: A rules statement right. guy
3: because nobody knows the rules. And even then, you know, the ESPN broadcast, Mike Tirico, who's the very best at knowing the rules, they had, no, they didn't mention anything I about that it. That was the first the time broadcast. I've
2: ever seen Tarico miss something.
1: But this is
3: one where th- someone can act smart, but this is one where no one knew what the rule was. Pete Prisco did. That was about it. The second it happened, he said that should be lion, Lion's ball. It's a stupid rule anyway. And by the way, you know what else is a stupid rule? That the ball... It goes – maybe this is getting too far. But the ball's or, oblong. It's like, how about a real ball? Right. Well, that was, ball. that's why the technicality is, is, is also stupid because the ball was probably going out of bounds. And K.J. Wright, if he knew the rule, would have just caught the ball and the, and the game's over. It probably didn't really affect the game. I think it's stupid that the defense gets the ball back in that scenario. I never understood that. Why, why does the – and I think that could change. I think there's some sentiment that the offense keeps the ball. Whoever possessed the ball last gets to keep it. Yeah, I agree. well, I think it's the, weird that yeah, it's weird. It, the rule it is
4: different in the, the end zone. yard line for the, yeah, that's always been a weird rule. Going back to Ben Watson against the
3: Broncos, right? Exactly, and I I think there has been talk that that could change at some point.
4: By the way, though,
2: between the fail Mary, and, and now this, uh, the Seahawks catching some breaks in prime time, we're all even for that Super Bowl against the Steelers.
4: What this game? <laughs> we're <all> even, no <laughs> I more. don't know about nobody, that.
2: Nobody can complain anymore. Where? That was a
4: Super Bowl, Dan. Please, my primary complaint about that controversial call is that it, it overshadowed this game, which was basically emblematic of what's going on for the first four games of the season, that offensive lines are a huge problem mm-hmm. for every disappointing team in the league this year. Mm. And this game was a bas- perfect example of that. Keep I, that
2: point in mind when we get to the Power poll.
3: I mean, the line – you want to talk a little bit about I mean, the line – that has been the case every single – it's amazing to watch a team with Abdullah, Tate, Calvin Johnson, in theory, Matthew Stafford. Although I don't know how big a plus is That's looking. So theory. so unexplosive.
4: We have to start considering that Calvin Johnson isn't what we, what we thought he was. He's no longer that guy. You're matched up with Kerry Williams one on one, and you're just not making plays. Whether you want to blame it on Joe, Lombe- Joe Lombardi or Matthew Stafford, when the ball comes in your direction, sometimes you just have to catch it and make a play.
2: All right. So that is that. Now, Sydney, if you would, uh, if you don't mind, let's do some news.
0: That might be the craziest question that I've gotten in the history of football.
2: <laughs> I don't think it was that crazy.
1: That Sydney was- is shining out of the gate. So far, Chuck so- Pagano Sydney's last week,
4: when the reporter asked him if Andrew Luck was in the state of Indiana. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
4: That's a fair
2: response. All right, let's start with the Miami Dolphins. Joe Philman uh, out as head coach, as uh, everyone learned early on uh, Monday, he was fired after three plus seasons. The Dolphins off out to an, a one and three start. Um, replacing him on an interim basis is Dan Campbell, uh, the tight ends coach, who has the power to decide. I guess I know Kevin Coyle, the defensive coordinator, has been a major issue around the team, uh, at least internally, as a problem as well. But there's been no decision made yet on whether Coyle will remain with the team. I assume they got to you know. Well, they're on a bye week, but the more time that passes, he's probably
3: going to stay the coach, right? I think that could come out before people hear this podcast sometime Tuesday, maybe Wednesday. Make a move if you are. Either way, I think they'll announce that he's staying or not. It does sound like uh, he could be gone. Right. So Philbin out
2: uh, and uh, Mark, I'll start with you on this one. Uh, you don't have to be some type of football genius to see that this was probably not a marriage built to, to last. But was this the right time to get out now, or should they have uh, ridden out a little further?
1: Well, the right time to get out of it would have been after last season. I mean, th- this is what happens when teams, they can't get the, maybe the coach they really want, or that coach isn't available that off season, and you re-sign a guy like Joe Philbin. The issues are no different now than they were last year, or the year before to some degree with Philbin. And you keep them around, and then you're in week four. It's the same with Dennis Allen. You're in week four, and you blow the whole machine up. And how often do teams with interim coaches
3: do anything? Right. If the Dolphins don't block a punt against the Vikings in week 16 last year to win 37-35 in a meaningless game, they got a safety on that punt. I don't know if Joe Philbin comes back. Now, Philbin said – Stephen Ross, the owner, said him told him earlier in the season, "Oh, you'll be back next year." But he never went public with it. And he emotionally, after that win, mm. much like Woody Johnson down All in right. Miami, you know, emotionally bringing back Rex Ryan for another failed season, he announced Joe Philbin's the guy, and he went into told tell him, "Hey, I'm definitely keeping you." And and that's like it's such an emotional short-term, weird decision on a meaningless game, and then you waste this whole season. But here's the big difference, since you
2: brought it up, between what happened with Woody and Rex was after that season, and then they had an incompetent GM that didn't give Rex anything. So Rex was a dead man walking, even though they brought him back. The Dolphins—they spent money. They brought in the best defensive tackle in football. They added, they redid their wide receiver group, and and gave Ryan Tannehill a big fat new contract. So this Joe Philbin was set up well for success, at least from a roster standpoint. But he was never the guy, and not, everybody could see not that. Not really.
4: Coaches come and go in Miami. GMs come and go. Players come and go. What stays is a roster building philosophy of buy expensive free agents and have a shallow roster like the old Cowboys used to, where if your stars get hurt, Cameron Wake has a hamstring injury. And Dominican Sue hasn't done anything. Brent Grimes has been playing injured. If your stars get hurt, nobody makes plays. But it's all, and, I mean, and, just, and you
3: compared it to the Jets. I was going to say there's a lot of similarities because the Jets, they fire coach, but they keep the GM. But then they fire the GM, and then they keep the coach. Mm. And then they're doing one thing at a time. Uh, they, they hired Joe Philbin. Then they hired GM Dennis Hickey, who did not hire Joe Philbin. And then they did tell they're tell they going to keep Philbin. Oh, and then we're going to hire Tannenbaum. Where is Dennis that's, Hickey, by the way? And then, so, That's right, all true. It, so it's, it's almost exactly the same where it's different people having different agendas and no one's on the same page. But I
2: guess one thing just to point out is that – you know, as a group, we picked the Dolphins to make the playoffs this year. There was a lot of reason for optimism this season. I had them in last place. Well, I don't know who picked them then because I didn't pick them, and I had to no. write up
1: a post about us
2: making, well, them we had making plenty the of playoffs. People, plenty of people we were optimistic
1: about the Dolphins. There was outside of this around this
2: team, too. and perhaps, yeah, this is another reminder that you need to have stability at the top of the organization for this ever to work. I you think, need, sir You need ahead.
4: to build through the draft and not go out and buy free agents every year. But
1: That's you can't build through the draft when your philosophy – and your schemes, and your general managers, and your assistants are changing year after year. This is dolphins are are they got to be careful because they're close to getting into the cycle of not just being the eight and eight team,
3: but mm. the team that starts to go four and five wins every year because there's so much transition. I'm excited about the Dan Campbell era, though. I mean, he seems like he's fun. I think he's gonna have a good chance to be right there with Joe Vit, you know, the one game of Jim Tomsula, some of the great interim head coach memories that I've had in my life. <laughs> and then, I mean, he just seems like he's gonna. There's gonna be some fun stuff here with Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell's well, very. I love that.
2: Yeah, he was a long hair. Can it be monster, any less fun than it's been? Like eight months ago, and now he's the head coach of 53 men. But uh, the other interesting, kind of humorous slash fascinating report, um, other than a man losing his job, other than that is Ryan Tannehill. This is how bad things have gotten in Miami. This stuff always leaks out after a firing like this. That National Football Post first reported Tannehill had been getting rattled during practice sessions last week and was letting his frustrations out on practice squad players, including this one quote, according to a player who told the national football post, enjoy your practice squad paycheck, enjoy your practice squad trophy. And it got so bad that Joey Fibbs was going up to the practice squad guys and say, Hey, take it easy on QB one. And gentlemen, Uh, You know what this is. This is a a clear case, Sidney. Ryan Tannehill's a little baby from Texas who can't handle it. And you give all this guy money and you build a team around him, but that is a laravil
3: Magnifico.
4: Defend your boy, Greg.
3: What do you mean? Tannehill? I'm not defending him in this case. Uh, It's worth noting, Jeff. Is he still your boy? Or have you bailed on him like Mm. I bailed on Josh McCown? That is a great question. It, I that, I no longer think he top. has that high a ceiling. I think he is what he is, which is a mid-level guy who's going to ha- make a long career as a starter, but I'm not excited about him ever turning the corner as a top 10
4: guy. Not after hearing this. Well,
3: Come that on. that's part of it. Grim. it. To be fair, Jeff Darlington re- strongly reported that he never said the paycheck line. I w- Everything also. else was true, he said, <laughs> but he said he never said st- Everybody's worth-
4: worried about his fragile little psyche, though. That part, yeah. uh, That on, part no.
3: no one's disputing, though.
1: I want to know I want to know the tone of this and you know stuff that happened in NFL practices this is a quote from Tell an me NFL practice. from pra- like
4: three or four different sources well, I'm just saying they, they we don't have Hill is,
1: Hill has absolutely not been a problem on this team ever a, bothered
2: by the quote it's a little right kind of i don't even care about the- say. I agree. not a big deal Agreed. the
1: problem is the head
2: coach approaching these like c-level players and be like hey take it easy but on our 100 million dollar quarterback because he needs the confidence right and now. that's like, fair Whoa. and you
1: mentioned rex ryan and for the bashing that rex ryan's taken the one thing that ryan mostly didn't do in new york was going to be a begrudging his- compliment no. is it will not lose his entire roster hmm. you have to dump your coach when Phil been over and over, cannot handle these conflicts. Over, I have no problem with Tannehill being
3: frustrated in practice and going off on whoever. But it, I want a, him to be frustrated. They've sucked. Sure, but it's a sign that the pressure is getting to him a little bit. For a little bit of context, some teams, as Alex Marvez pointed out, you know they really prefer that their practice squad team kind of show the defensive scheme, but not necessarily try to make plays on the ball. That That's almost an idea that they have, that they're not supposed to be making these interceptions. Now, I thought it was really interesting. Campbell addressed the situation without mentioning Tannehill pretty directly. He said, when we have practice, the best teams, they go after each other. The defensive pra- practice squad, they're going to go after the offense, and that's the team I want. And to me, that said it all, is that he thought Tannehill was being babied.
4: Joe Philbin seems like a wonderful person and a nice guy and a good human being who oversaw something where he had no authority. And this is the same coach who allowed Richie Incognito to be on the leadership council
1: and allowed that whole controversy to happen
4: what in the locker room.
1: It's not for everyone, like, that balance between being a leader and also not being their friends all the time. That's Half these guys fail. They all fail, most of them.
2: In other AFC East news, the Buffalo Bills have some injury issues in their backfield. LaShawn McCoy has a concussion. Carlos Williams has – excuse me, McCoy has a hamstring. Carlos Williams has a concussion. So they worked out some uh, running backs today. And uh, this is a uh, special uh, note to uh, the quiet storm and myself. Trent Richardson was one of those uh, running backs that was worked out, of course, cut by the Raiders in August or early September. Uh, Also worked out was a Dan Boom Heron, who actually got signed, Trent Richardson not signed. So T. Rich, and this is, let's just break this down real quick, Mark. Um, When we talk about, like, P scale, and of course, our sandwich prop was that, and this was made back in February, that T. Rich would never have another carry in the NFL, uh, it didn't look good for me when he got guaranteed money for the from the Raiders. Looked obviously good for me when he fell down that depth chart and then got cut. This now lets me know that he's at least on the grid still. So my P scale on Trent Richardson uh, is at about five and a half.
3: If peeing your pants is cool, <laughs> consider me Miles Davis.
2: So I'm like right at around like five and a half. Like he's still on the grid. I would have rather that he was. He just was out somewhere giving up on football, but that's not the case.
1: Well, he certainly has the ability to lose these tryouts over and over. <laughs> but what I like to see, because <laughs> the, the whole premise was not whether he makes the Raiders or even plays the in week one. It was if he ever plays a snap ever again. And what I kept hanging on, and again, he's ripe to fail, but that's uh, it's, already, it's October 6th and people were to give him tryouts. I thought this was going to happen in <laughs> early December. As injuries mount and someone's like, we just need a fresh body, to do practice, and then maybe he gets into so, a game or two. Then you bang because I already gave you a sandwich. You have to give me two back. That's fair. And that's fair. how it's going to work, and that's and, what's going to happen here.
2: And I was a little nervous about Rex being involved because you know he's a little bit. I'm a maverick and all that stuff. <laughs> uh, but by the way, if, even if he got signed to a team, uh, it doesn't. You don't get the wager because he's got. I get am, a carry. Look at yeah, Christine think, and Michael. Kristen Michael's had, I think, one carry this season. I think
1: I'm very album. clear of the, the the outline of the deal. Okay. And that's why I'm confident. That was more one more snap ever. By the way, where is
2: Ray Rice is never going to get a job. If he can't get a tryout when guys like T. Rich are getting tryouts, we're not going to see Ray Rice no more. Uh, And your boy, Pierre Thomas off the grid. I
3: don't know what's going on. Should have taken that job with the Texans.
2: Yeah. All right. In other news, this is interesting. Uh, Odell Beckham, you know, not off to the type of start that perhaps we expected. And there is some buzz in the air around the NFL about you know, his personality and where he's at headwise after an offseason in which he was, you know, the biggest star in the NFL just about. Uh, the Bills went after Odell Beckham after Sunday's loss. Uh, Stefan Gilmore specifically had a lot of things to say, and Wes, I'm going to tee you up on this. Uh, Gilmore said, I don't know what's up with him. He acts like you're supposed to let him catch the ball. He's weird. He gets mad when you play physical with him. He's weird. And then he went on to say, Uh, he's different, it's kind of like you're playing your little brother and he gets mad at you for being too physical with him, throwing a tantrum, I'm like, man, we're playing football, it's a physical game, he's a prima donna, he feels like he's on top of the world and nobody's supposed to do anything to him and finally Gilmore added that, you know, they watch tape, they don't see him as that special guy, he's got great hands, uh, but he's not as good as what people think after that one catch, He's calling him a one-hit wonder, Chris Wrestling. The floor is yours because ODB is your boy. He said
3: he's no Sammy Watkins.
4: <laughs> You're that? right. He's much better than Sammy Watkins, <laughs> wow. who uh, it, apparently Sammy Watkins is a new Tom Savage. I'm not sure if he really exists. <laughs> he's never <laughs> on the field. Uh, look, there are a couple of ways to look at this. I threw Odell Beckham out of the penthouse of my stable of the boys over, over the offseason when he was complaining about his teammates making mm. fun of him.
2: Lover's quarrel. This is
4: another sign that he's a prima donna. I totally get that. Stephon Gilmore's right. He is weird. Odell Beckham's a weird dude, and and he's not getting back in the stable. He's Woo! out of the. He's wait, he's, he's not back. only out of the penthouse. He's wow. out of the stable of boys. He's out of the stable of boys. He's wow. gone. He's done. Whoa. I don't do
3: prima donnas. I'm gonna need to. I don't know. Have a cigarette. That said, take, take the rest of the day <laughs> off. That said, Stefan
4: Gilmore not, might not be very bright. Is definitely not watching game tape. <laughs> and. Stop. Uh,
3: Wait, he's got to be watching game. And loses all
4: credibility when he says that uh, that Odell Beckham's a one-hit wonder. Well, one he, wonder. he's clearly
3: right. biased and emotional because Odell Beckham threw punches at multiple bills. And it this was, is uh, on this is on film. One of them, the one Oh, that, I know. It was a hor. It,
4: it was that's what got thro- that's what got him thrown out. What? You can't deal with the physicality, so you come up punching.
1: Well, I mean, I don't think that he's a one-hit wonder by any stretch though. Well here's one thing. Let me he's, just of course he's that's, not. that's here's, that's ridiculous. Here's what here's something to take
2: uh take out of this. He is on a pace, I believe for a one thousand yard season, he's on pace yes, he is. to have a nice season, but he has certainly been a little disappointing this year, and it makes you wonder, um, A, if teams maybe figured out how to play him on defense a little bit, B, if the off season and all all the uh outside football stuff that he got involved with somehow did change his mentality or mindset and see if there's a little secret weapon here with Odell Beckham is that you can get under his skin and it will take him out of his game. All those things seem fair because he's a good receiver right now, but he's not transcendent, which he was last year. I Go
4: ahead. The Rams tried to get under his skin last year with dirty shots all game, and he got him for 190 yards. This is about... Eli Manning has faced the least pressure of any quarterback in the league this year, and it's behind a bad offensive line. It's because teams are playing
3: six and seven defensive backs in an effort to stop Odell Beckham Jr. Well, and it's because they let go of the ball. The, the, the Bills threw the ball in an average, this is from Mike Rodak, in 1. 1. 1.7 seconds in that, in that Bills game. That's the shortest amount of time any quarterback's – you know throwing the ball all season because all they're doing is dropping back 3 or 5 steps and throwing the ball 6 yards. That's not going to get big yards for Oda Beckham. I think he's looked fantastic during cer- during certain moments this this he, season. But he punched the guy in the helmet with his fist. He should have been ejected from the game. He's going to get a lot of fines. All right. So he's a little
1: bit immature. I mean, that's fine. He's also 23 coming off one of an off season where you came into the league last year with a chip on your shoulder because this time last year Everyone was ripping this guy for not shaking off a hamstring injury and getting on the field. Then he proves everyone wrong, and then suddenly NFL Network wants to do specials on you when you're 22. Everyone asks, acts like you're a king. Every time he throws a softball, it gets mixed, that, you know, the front page of the newspaper. It's ridiculous. I mean, that's going to toy with your head. I can't believe you're defending a, a high-level millennial. I did not see this coming. Because I, when it's when it's coming from his own teammates, and they're calling him weird and all that stuff, that is going to get on my radar more than the opponents who are dealing with him. You shouldn't be throwing punches, but it's like – his career, I'm done with these players that after one or two years, we're saying what they are and we're done with them.
2: To, and to Beckham's, to Beckham's credit, he has not been incredible this year, but this just tells you how great he was last year. He's on pace for 96 catches and 1,200 yards and eight TDs right now. He's on pace for an all-pro or pro Bowl season, and he hasn't even played that well yet. So,
4: Yeah,
3: know. he has 200 yards next week, and what's the on-pace stats after that? And he absolutely dominated two different halves of games this year in a way that almost no receiver has. It just hasn't been every single half. And are we surprised the Buffalo Bills players are talking again? I mean, how about they keep their mouth <laughs> shut? I mean, that's it's
1: fair. like, part of it is, give me a break with this with the Bills. It's getting old.
3: That's fair. All right. So that's what's <laughs> happening in the news. That was a good news segment and my, every it was all good, Dan. All right. Greg's back. <laughs> I thought good. Greg was a little low-key in the intro
2: and I could feel the energy but now it's coming back.
3: It was, it was always here. I was just, you know, sometimes you lay back. You lay back and watch uh, the pros do their work. <laughs>
2: <laughs> fair enough. Okay,
3: or
4: you let's take a segment is off. Is this you, you can call it new energy natural?
3: What the new energy that you gained in the last fifteen minutes? That's a fair What are question? you to say? I'm just asking
4: what you're. Is this up
2: manufactured to energy?
3: Well, I'm drinking coffee. If that's what you're getting at, there's Ooh. no, there's no. Uh, that's organic. Drugs or anything? That's organic. That's okay. acceptable.
2: Greg, your thoughts on the daily fantasy league controversy? Go ahead. Floor is yours.
3: I I don't know. I don't know anything about it. <laughs> don't care. <laughs> Blow it all up. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's get into our
2: power poll. Uh, we, we're we going to do one every quarter of the season. So we did one before the season started. And now after week four, it's time to do another. And um, I will quick. Let's start this by doing. Hmm, how do we want to do this? Let's go through the power poll as it stands right now. Greg, you sent it to me and I already lost it. Do you have the current power poll? <laughs> So many things. Our (laughs) printer didn't work today, so I'm all discombobulated. All right, here we go. One through ten. Patriots, Packers, Cardinals, Broncos, Bengals, Seahawks, Falcons, Panthers, Steelers, Jets. That's the top ten. Let's talk about that. All right, we'll start. Why don't we do it this this way? Um, The top ten back in early September, Mm. we had the Lions at eight. And the Lions are now where, Greg?
3: They are buried at 25, which is pretty high for the only winless team in the league. That's true. The Colts were five. Where do we have them? They have fallen all the way to 14.
2: All right. The Eagles we had at six. Bullish on Chip, the genius.
3: That was trouble. They are at 23 right now.
2: (laughs) And uh, to what I was saying (laughs) earlier, we had the Dolphins as the 10th best team in football entering week one. They are now. One and three and
3: 26, which seems very high. I put them dead last at 32. I think they would have been the worst team. Which
2: you can't really argue. I I put them higher. I think I had them around 22 or so or 21 just because I think they're talking big about Campbell. I could see them starting to play harder and and maybe win some games and end up around 500. I see them and I, I do think there's talent there. I think the team awful start, not the worst team in football.
3: I think they've played like the worst team. Their one win was exceedingly lucky, and the last two weeks were as bad as as they could possibly be. So that's why.
1: Is I Campbell think. tackling for them? I mean, part of it is just their they're, <laughs> they're tackle, looking though. absolutely he's terrible on the man. field.
2: Uh, Eleven through twenty Rams just missing the top ten. Uh, by the way, Jets, I see you at number ten in the power poll.
3: Well, which which out of those teams that have fallen the furthest are yeah. we? Do we think maybe is going to bounce back a little bit? I mean, that's a huge loss. Okay. For the Ra- the Ravens have sunk. The Lions we had as a top eight team. They were the start of our second they're tier. And, they, and they're forked. I would go maybe – I would go with the Colts, not because I think the Colts
1: are what we thought they were before the season. They're not. But you're in an absolutely wretched division where you could re- string together games. And Andrew Luck, if he, you know, rebounds some, then why not?
2: Rebounds. Rebounds. That's interesting. We just <laughs> – with uh, Dave, uh, Mark, this morning, we did this thing where we did the quarter poll awards – and you could, with those four top ten teams, if we had a category, most disappointing team, yeah. Lions, Colts, Eagles, and Dolphins, that is quite a tough category to win. I, but I would probably say it would have to be the Dolphins because it's been so all-encompassing, uh, just a total collapse of the organization. But you could make
4: a case for any of those teams.
1: How many interim coaches, I'd like to know, have, have turned a team around?
4: Like most of them go about two and ten. was the last time an interim coach made the playoffs.
3: Oh my gosh! Usually it's like <laughs> just a caretaker for an ultra top five pick disaster show. And how, and I like I like uh, the the not talking about the teams that fell, but the Falcons climbing all the way up. We had no respect for the Panthers. We had them as the third place team in the NFC South at twenty three, and now they're in the top eight. And when I filled this out, tell me if you guys would disagree. I, I realized, man, the middle of the NFL seems soft. There, there was about nine good oh, yeah. teams. I would stop it at the Steelers. The fact that the Jets and the Rams are 10 and 11 kind of shows you, like, how I, much this league is up for grabs right now.
4: I put the Jets comfortably ahead of the Panthers.
3: Well, that's – and that's why, like, uh,
2: you know, when I said I thought the Jets were a top-10 team in September, it wasn't because I think the Jets are great – uh, but Mark laughs because he thinks I'm making a point that I called it. Well, but what I'm are. really saying <laughs> is that when I said when I did think that they could be a top ten team, it wasn't because I think the Jets are a contender. They're just it's a very top heavy league right now.
1: Well, but I think that compared to some other seasons, the top ten has some shaky offerings who might not even be close right. Here, three or four weeks. Here's, what? Falcons and Panthers. I'm just saying compared to what we what we look at in general when we look at a top half of the league, there is average all over the NFL. Let's right look now.
2: at our 11 through 20. Rams, Vikings. Bills, who really, you know, they could have easily been seven if we were doing this a week earlier, uh, but that was a bad loss. Uh, The Colts at 14, the Giants at 15, the 16, the Dalton Dalton line is the Chargers, which makes sense. Cowboys at 17, Redskins 18, Ravens at 19, and then we had the Raiders at 20. Um, So, yeah, those teams are all kind of more or less the same, I would say, with the exception of the Colts, if Andrew Luck uh, it gets healthy, and they put it together. And the Bills, who are really hard to figure
3: out, yeah. That uh, much of the NFC East is in that group. The Raiders got a lot of love. I mean, I think that also shows. If you look when we do post this and you read our, you know, article, once you get past the the NFC East, Redskins, Ravens, if you got the Raiders at twenty, that means there's a whole end of the league that's kind of up for grabs too. I mean, that, that any of those teams could start emerging and surprise us, and maybe a fork team comes and forks us. Yeah, who
2: I was going to say who is
3: the team most likely out of that pack to make the playoffs. Let's throw out the Colts because they're kind of an outlier. Well, you know who I'm going to say the, the St. Louis Rams who I had before the season. I, I still, it's going to be tricky in that division to get three teams into the playoffs. And I under, and I love the Cardinals. We have the Cardinals number three, which is great. It's cool to see the Bengals. Like we, we really believe in them. But I think the Rams have the most talent of all of those teams.
1: What about a team, uh, how deep down we're going? What about the Redskins at 18? Because that division to me is an absolute unpredictable race at the moment. And the Redskins have shown they can play well.
2: But they're like the there's so many teams in the league right now that are so um, schizophrenic from week to week. So it's hard to really including make sense
1: the entire of NFC East though. Like a team to right. go eight and eight or nine and seven just, and win
2: that division Same with the Cowboys. They're right. getting Des back potentially in week seven. Romo won't be too far behind. They're and, getting Greg
3: Hardy back. They're getting Rolando McLean back. This week they've had Sean Lee been injured. They have had by far the worst injury lock they've been Somewhat impressive that they've even been competitive yeah. with Brandon.
1: Well, I like Whedon, but you've got to win a game. That's so the you've problem. got to actually
3: have to pull out some wins they
2: here. They should have won one of these two games, and now, now they put they themselves the in a tough spot. Yeah. All right. Now here's 21 from thir- uh, out of 32. 232. Greg, there are 32 teams. Uh, Titans at 21. Chiefs, Eagles, Saints, Lions at 0 and 4. There are 25. Dolphins, Jaguars. Browns at twenty eight marks, so I think they moved up a little bit. I don't think uh, so. A very small amount potentially. That's the
4: same place they've been holding for three years of this. <laughs> they went up one
1: spot
2: <laughs> for like sixteen years. <laughs> Way to go, Brownies! Yeah, uh, the yeah, Bears. Okay. The Bears, uh, uh, twenty nine. Texans. One win will get
4: you. Texans Four spots in the pool.
2: At thirty, the Niners at thirty one. They should be thirty two to me, and the Bucks at. 32 on our joint power pole, which we all, the four of us, in addition to the Chicago correspondent, Kevin Patro, who hurled a sneaky expletive at me um, after the com- completion of the Monday night game, which I was okay with. I me. don't He's think you fired were alone. Up. Uh, and then, of course, Connor Orr in uh, <laughs> his New Jersey Haunted, haunted match. Why did you put get them that kind of a treatment? Uh, I made a comment that uh, I knew that the Lions were going to blow it or something, and oh yeah, you know. And his response was, you were right. Something me. That's all I'll say. Huh.
3: Yeah, well, you know, you uh, it's you, fine. You, we there. also had a you know a long text conversation about how you don't think the Lions fans uh, have experienced that much pain, or you know, they don't have Damn the pathos, me. the special pathos of the New York area because 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 we don't know Detroit people because they're in Detroit. I know Detroit. And, Detroit meanwhile. People. The, I love this country. The great, you know, the, one of the greatest receivers of all time literally ties an all-time Lions franchise record for receiving on the same play that he fumbles the ball Ooh. going in. I mean, that was an amazing, no, that would well, painful moment. As, you I, have to admit. as
2: I tweeted, it would be in the hurt files of my pain rankings, which you can find at NFL.com slash pain rankings. And just so everyone knows. Do it right now. The Detroit Lions are at number four on the pain rankings, so it's not like they got job too hard. I just don't think there is a little missing, you know, je ne sais quoi when it comes to the Lions. You said they had lost New too New York much. media. That the exactly. Bills, That's what my point missing. was. Well, sure, whatever, I agree guys. with Dan 100%. At a on that. Bills, Jets, out of touch. Bills, Jets,
3: Browns have that. That the Lions, are the Lions
4: Pain rankings, and put the Jets like
3: twelfth where they blow. <laughs> your your case for them well, was that the Lions have been too bad to even count for pain. Right, they, it, that's what Lions no. fans to me are. They're a lot like Kevin. It's it's they just expect angry? the worst. It all is boiling inside. They're angry about it. It's all just pain. No hope.
1: I'm going to trust Greg that when you completely dismiss Dan's 30 plus years following the Jets I'm not, and, I'm and, 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 and wallowing with Lions. fellow Jets fans that you know at least more than one Lions fan that has absolutely impressed you with the level of passion, yeah. anger, and loss. Greg, I'm all, assuming it's based on research and many Lions fans, not just playing devil's advocate. To no, the, fact that the Jets, at every draft growing up, wait, were the most well, that, downtrodden. Playing devil's advocate? The draft's in right. New York. The tell, draft is in New York. I'm about. just saying, Jets fans uh, have to be viewed hey, as one of the here, most bizarre,
3: downtrodden absolutely, fan Absolutely, and after. it's all very close. But Lions have great fans. I mean, when you watch the games, I'm taking the Lions crowd over the Jets crowd. I like well, how, Detroit is a by sports By the way, town. I like how they you, you act like you know about
2: Detroit and I don't. That's my Tell issue. Tell me about is, your knowledge of the Detroit area. Well,
3: I spent a lot of time in the Motor City. That's I watched the movie. <laughs> yeah. I, spent, I, uh, I watched the movie 8 Mile. I own many of Eminem's solo albums, but also some like when he was a guest star on compilations. You know what it's I mean? It's a placebo. You're yeah, not. There's just, no. It, Greg there's just no floated research it off here.
2: onto Lake Michigan there, just a corpse. <laughs> Listen, ridiculous. You can make the case, obviously, that the Lions are a top three That's team, all. but just to this go This is after a the compliment
3: Jets, to your thing that it's inspiring so like much one. debate. <laughs> That's what you're <laughs> looking later. for is debate.
2: <laughs> uh, debate is great. Embrace the debate. Uh, anything else with the uh, yeah? With the old how Power are the bowl?
1: Texans not 32nd? That's fair. That's fair. Uh, you can make a case.
3: The Bucks fair. are pretty. That's oh, all a team. mess
1: down there. I would think the one team though, the Titans. Where are they? They are sitting twenty-one. Twenty-one. Okay, we're we're a little underrating them. I think the thing is they had a bye week, and let's say they play the Bills, Nets. If they ever pull that out and they go three and one, they're not a twenty. They're not the twenty-first team. Two and two. They, they're
3: one and two. You could right? make the case oh, that they should two. flip Forgive with me. the
1: Bills if that would happen. Yeah, I just think that the like they, they were
3: lost in action, and so we kind of forgot about them.
1: But it, I had the record wrong.
3: So it's crazy how many bad teams are because all of those ten last teams, they're fans their fans would just say that they're having the most miserable season ever. Chiefs fans have to be miserable. Eagles yeah, fans Greg has quickly become Jeez. the fan expert. <laughs> Saints fans. speaking I'm just saying for every lot of, fan base in the country. Just Chiefs a, fans
4: are extra miserable because they, they can't yell at you anymore.
3: That's true.
1: That's true. But in
3: Chase I'm Daniel, man, how about that? I'm a man of the people. I'm ta- I'm talking now about. that Dan has exposed himself. By as the a way, <laughs> Ch- speaking what? of
4: Chase Daniel, number 32 dead last in QBR right now is Alex Smith.
3: What's Andrew Luck? He Thirty-first, he's yes. hanging around. <laughs> I know he's in that mix. Let's get back to what you
2: were saying there, Greg. You were about to bury me. I so I noticed. Oh,
3: uh, what? Oh, that I was going to take over as a man of the people. It yeah. was a little thing I used. It was sarcasm. I'm not. I'm not a man of the people. I'm not a man of the people. <laughs>
2: All right. So that is <laughs> our like power poll at the quarter pole. I I call it. Why not? Keep rolling. Uh, you'll we'll bring this back. We'll trot this back out after week eight. Wes.
4: I was told by apparently at least seventy-three horse racing aficionados yesterday. The quarter pull is actually at the three-quarter mark, not the one-quarter mark.
2: Was that uh, uh, Mr. Falcon at the iTunes Review store? Yeah, it was him. <laughs> <laughs> More acorns, please. All right. Well, you know, that's what we call it is what the horse people don't call it. I mean, it's just different.
4: Things it's are different. Apparently taken from a horse race. The quarter pole is like the, the last quarter of the race.
2: The power pole at the quarter point of the NFL season. All right, moving on, uh, the... Time has come, gentlemen, to take out some cutlery.
0: <laughs> Stick a fork in them.
2: And we did, uh, uh, Sydney, our new producer, who's doing a wonderful job uh, so far today, she uh, let me know via the old Slack chat, uh, quit Slack and sign up for Slack today. Need some sponsors. Come out of Slack. Uh, she let me know on our IM chat, uh, chat client <laughs> that we forked six teams last week. Yes. They were the um,
1: Patriots. 49ers. Well, not, you know what? Bears.
2: Let's just go over the whole list and I'm going to add the three, three new ones at all. All right, let's okay. do this. Here we go. Shame. The Cleveland Browns. Shame. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Shame. The Detroit Lions. Shame. The New Orleans Saints. And the San Shame. Francisco 49ers. Shame. Okay, now Shame. we have three more to add to that list. We voted. It has to be unanimous amongst the four of us. And the three new teams are. Shame. The Houston Shame. Texans. Shame. The Miami Dolphins.
3: Shame. Shame.
4: Shame.
2: And the Oakland Raiders.
4: Shame.
1: Oh.
2: All gone. Mm. That is nine teams in the NFL, and Mark, it pains you to hear the Raiders. I could tell.
1: Well, it comes down to they're going to make the playoffs, so they're not. That's all this exercise is. Not are they a better team than last year? Are there is there, are they more fun to watch? And it's
3: not are they going to be five and five and in the mix even at some point? Yes. It's it's remember it's we're being bold make- and
1: we are. And from that angle, uh, you know, when I came in, yeah, I was off yesterday, and Dan said, "Here's the teams we're going to fork." That gave me pause, Oakland, just because. Amari Cooper is a weapon. I just think they've got better quarterback play. There's something going on with their defense here and there, but they're not going to make the playoffs, so I had to agree with you, but that stuck with me. That one we could be paying well, feel, the charity on. It feels b I'll, feels I'll
2: take my chances that the Raiders aren't ready for the playoffs yet. Personally, I, you know, they're improved, but what about we the Jaguars? Agree. We we didn't fork them yet. I know there is some love for the Jaguars, but they're still the Jags, and they still blew a game Half of us didn't want to fork the Jaguars. Andrew Luck team, uh, Andrew Luckless team. Uh, So, Greg and Wes.
4: I thought Blake Bortles played pretty well against the Colts. The the final score doesn't show that, but he made some throws. He played pretty well. And I I don't know. To me, like, I know you're hesitant about the Raiders. I think one thing we don't pay attention enough is to division. Yes. Yeah. Because the Texans, according to Numberfire, have a 26% chance of making the playoffs. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the Dolphins have a 5.5 and the Raiders have a 4.3% chance.
3: Right, because the AFC South is so bad. I mean, last year it, we forked the entire NFC South except for the Saints and the Panthers made the playoffs, a fact that none of us even remembered when we were talking about making mistakes with the fork just about a week ago. So generally right. we – Well, that right. said, number five – I'm just saying that's, that's – that's Who, who won the there? <laughs> That's These the playoff impression.
4: odds do not recognize Bill O'Brien's complete inability to run a quarterback room, too.
3: I think your point is founded, though, that you don't want to fork the, half the division when the Colts' quarterback has a separated shoulder, and right. we have no idea what that's going to turn into. The well, all I'd team. say one thing for the Raiders, and, it, and again, I'd happy
1: send them down the river. That's where they're going. But the, <laughs> what the Chiefs and the Chargers are the are, are the the big blockade to you getting to eight or nine wins? That's a, those are two completely up yeah, eight and down wins teams. ain't going to cut it. Yeah. I'm just saying they it's not, it's not even probably. the AFC West of two seasons ago where you're going to get buried twice by the Broncos, probably twice by the Chiefs, and probably twice by the Chargers. By the way, now, there's I, an I, argument to be made there. The Chiefs aren't a bad end.
2: team, by the way, I don't think. I,
1: think I don't think the blew Raiders a terrible are a bad game team either.
2: In week two. Well, I didn't say they were terrible. But I think the Chiefs blew a terrible game in week two, and then the schedule gods got them. I wouldn't be surprised if they come on strong and they're in the mix. I wouldn't be surprised uh, if we
1: fork Kansas
4: City next week. Yeah, well, they got to win them. They got to win. They've given up 30 points in three straight games for the first time since 1987.
3: They have not been competitive the last two weeks. The first one, it's totally it's misleading, at least in terms of the defense, because that was, that was their offense that got the points scored on them. But either way, they, have, they weren't really very competitive against the good team, so there's no reason to think that, that they suddenly will be.
2: Baltimore Ravens were 0-3. We did not fork them. They were very lucky to get that one win. They got a lot of help to get it, but they still got to be squarely in our sights uh, heading into week five.
3: But their schedule, they're going to be heavy favorites the next two weeks. It's the 49ers and another, I, I can't remember off the top the of my Browns, head. Browns, I believe. Yeah. I think the Browns. So and then a bye. So they're going to have a chance to, to, get, to get help. It'll be
1: interesting when we've already forked the Browns again, all agreed on that, but the Ravens will probably have, could potentially have a worse record than the Browns, and we are not going to fork the Ravens two weeks from now. You gotta bury that team. Well, I mean, (laughs) I just don't like the the Ravens. Yeah, well, no, but if the Ravens go, if they're two and four at some point,
2: we could have. If we would have forked them at zero and three, we would be sweating bullets right now because they would have been one and three with two easy games coming up potentially into their bye, and we'd be like, "Oh, I'm going But if homina. we're
4: playing this game right, we're going to have to sweat some bullets.
2: Yes,
3: of course, sweat I mean, some bees, and that's why I say get rid of the Raiders. <laughs> See, these <laughs> teams should want us <laughs> the to Jags. fork. These teams should want us to fork them. History says one a year make it out. You guys on October. Greg is not
2: a friend of the segment. Talk about bold. <laughs> on October sixth, you guys are telling me we're too afraid to. Rule out the Jaguars making the playoffs.
1: I didn't say that. I am, I I am telling you that. The division is that smart. That, though. that
4: division is absolute tire fire right now.
3: We're just starting this little journey that's called the 2015 season. I'm excited, but it, it's just <laughs> it's just barely begun right, that we're getting in. A lot of crazy
2: things.
1: It's gonna, over are for happen. nine teams. Nine teams go home. Don't even play the rest <laughs> of your schedule. Sorry. There is a rule. This was a nice of Greg because it lowers our workload a little bit. Any team that we've forked. No one attached to this podcast needs to write any <laughs> stories about any of those. Oh, teams is that, that true? Are, yeah, they're off the grid. The Jaguars you, are a
4: bad, bad football team. The good news is so are the Colts. Mm. It's
2: fair. That's fair, dog. All right. There you <laughs> go. So the fork <laughs> has come out. Nine teams. Done. You're gone. It's
3: over. Give up. Uh, Mark, like, that gave me a pretty board. good idea. We could actually have a, fork, the podcast. a <laughs> yeah, forked beat right. Like, Everyone else doesn't cover those teams, but then, for instance, you just cover the teams that were forked. That's it. Your thoughts, Mark? (laughs) Seems a little bit ridiculous. Okay. I'm uh, not in
1: charge around here, so.
2: (laughs) Let's hit up our Thursday night preview now as week five begins. Uh, It keeps on rolling. And the Indianapolis Colts, who uh, squeak by, really, uh, by the grace of God and bad field goal kicking, (laughs) they get a win with Matt Hasselbeck. Uh, to move to 2-2 two and two and take uh, first place in the uh, wretched AFC South. And now they head to Houston, speaking of wretched, to face the Texans. And, Wes, I'll tee you up on this one. They are 1-3, and, and Bill O'Brien made an interesting decision um, on Monday. What was that?
4: He watched Ryan Mallett play football and decided he wanted to watch him again. <laughs> That's it. <laughs>
2: I thought the Ryan Mallet experience was over. I thought we weren't getting anything else. But what happened here is Bill O'Brien banged himself. Let's face it. He went away from Brian Hoyer too quickly and thought – just hope Ryan Mallon wouldn't be a tire fire. He is. And now he's in this position where he doesn't know when he can go back. He's, he's really – Wes, as you put it on Twitter, put himself in a corner.
4: The only explanation I've heard that makes sense, and this came from one of my Twitter followers. I forget his name. I apologize for that. One of your fans, you mean. Part of my fan base, yes. (laughs) Uh, Is that if Bill O'Brien's going to turn back to Brian Hoyer, he owes him at least a week of preparation, not a short week Mm. against the Colts. So that would allow him to turn back to Hoyer after 10 days and more time to prepare for the next game. That makes a lot of sense. watching Ryan Mallett play, I just – it's literally incredible that anybody would start him again.
1: And I guess if the Colts, who are better on defense, the defense has not been the biggest problem in Indianapolis. If they go and drop a bomb on Ryan Mallett on national television, mm. no one's going to give O'Brien as hard of a
3: time for switching right. back. You're and if see- the Colts drop a bomb on Brian Hoyer, what do you do? Turn back right. to Mallett again? Right. That, that, makes, that all makes sense, but he has to be thinking what a big game this is. They, they, you know, they're playing Andrew Luck who will be starting this game, It's or it's fully expected that he's going to be back for this game. And I think that helps inform why he didn't play last week. Maybe they thought he, he couldn't handle two and five days, and, and so they kept him out. I mean, it's a huge, huge game for the the Texans. If they can win on the road, they're right back in it. And yet, We're sweating bullets. Yeah, w- but when you watch them, you're right. There's something like one for when it's third and long, it, it's over. It, it's, they might as well punt on third and long. They should be the first team to do that in a while. I think they're one for 17 or something like that on third third and long because it's all mallet worm burners. It's all him just yes, throwing at the feet is, of people. It is,
4: and it's no surprise that the Houstons are dead last in the NFL in, in yards after catch because there's no after catch element in their offense.
2: The uh, Evan Silva, the Roto-World grinder. Who we'd have to get on the show at some point. Had, had this tweet on Mallet. Ryan Mallet lacks anticipation, athleticism, touch, an ability to locate passes, and an understanding of his own limitations. <laughs> <That's> but <laughs> sums it up.
4: But he's good at making Dan Hansis laugh.
2: Oh. I love Ryan. I'm happy that he started because the Texans aren't going anywhere. And uh, Cleveland Springsteen. So I like that. He look kind of looks like the lead singer of live, but he can't play either.
4: That's a good point. The Texans aren't going anywhere. Let me ask you guys this. John Fox is punting his season. They're trying to get the best draft pick possible. does Bill O'Brien have enough job security to pull that off Hmm. because it when you start Ryan Mallett in back-to-back games like this, it certainly seems like you're punting your season.
3: I I don't. I have a hard time thinking any coach wants to ever lose, even John Fox. It just, it's just not in anyone's DNA that you want to show up because it's such a miserable experience to lose. I think they all I, – I don't believe John Fox is punting the season. I think he's doing everything you possible. He just punted one game. What but are you talking about?
4: The Seahawks game. Well, that he he did try to win.
3: He's misguided in what he's going to win. Anyway, but. He's misguided in what's going to win games. But I think in his head, that's his way of you trying think to. he tried to win that game in Seattle? I think well, he's doing yes, what he thinks but he West, he tried to Yes, win.
1: let's look at it from another angle. I, I have to agree that at this level that pro coaches who have zero job security, worse than ever before, aren't punting away seasons starting in week five because you're not going to be there. You're
4: not going to hand Fox the next guy. Be there. I don't think they're going to fire him. Well, I don't thing. think they're going
3: to fire O'Brien either. I think he could have a 3-13 season and season. That organization doesn't knee-jerk and blow the thing up every two years. On
2: a, on a different point and more kind of like a big picture of football thing, I'm, I'm just curious what you guys think. So, like, the Texans, there's a chance, because uh, mostly because of this quarterback play, that they're going to go 3-13 and or perhaps even worse. J.J. Uh, Watt, sometimes, like, in the offseason when we talk about who is the best player in the NFL – and J.J. Watt sometimes gets beats out Aaron Rodgers when those discussions happen. Isn't it a little interesting that you could have the greatest football player on the planet defensively, and it, it doesn't matter? And you can never say the same thing about quarterback. It just kind of points out, first of all, how important quarterback is, but also maybe the J.J. Watt stuff. As great as he is, it's it's just kind of it's apples and oranges. Even with Lawrence greatest Taylor, greatest player,
1: the Giants needed. Phil Sims to go have finally get off the Schneid and have a good season for them to turn into a playoff right, the, team.
3: The proof was two years ago. What was the Texans record? I, think I, they two and 14. I thought that that J.J. Watt deserved defensive player of the year that year. I thought he was the best defensive player of the year. Cortez Kennedy did win it one year when the Seahawks went two and 14. I mean, it's football is such a team sport and it seems so obvious, but one player does not make that big of a difference. Unless it's the quarterback. Unless it's right. the quarterback. Well,
4: it's a different question. Aaron Rodgers is the best player in football and has been for five years.
2: But should like Absolutely. a defensive player even be in the top ten? But it's not most valuable. Sport. He's the best at what he does. I, mean, I But think, Aaron
4: Rodgers is a better football player. He impacts the game in a greater fashion.
2: You know, I just like to ask those kind of big picture things. Just to, you know, bend your ears, get those minds thinking a little bit.
1: Go find me one person who'd rather cranking, have
2: JJ
4: like Watt than that, Aaron Rodgers on their team. I liked. A couple years that. ago, during Mark's uh, protest against the top ten list, where he listed all quarterbacks, that was it. Was the right kind of thinking?
2: was well, I mean, he, he shipwrecked the segment, but it was yeah. good. <laughs> well, <laughs> listen, was, yeah.
1: In a, the name of truth, he had a
4: cause, and his cause <laughs> yeah. was right.
2: Was Mark put, finally just? Let's
1: put right, Andre right Johnson
3: now. at number six.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Who did I mean, that? I don't know. I'm
3: sure someone made a gaffe that. That, right. that was the year they didn't put Julio Jones in. Andre Johnson's uh, the You're right. highest paid number five receiver in the league right now. Think he'll have a catch <laughs> on Thursday? 51 yards on 20 targets. That is hard to do. Not a great fantasy pick by the old Zeus. I'm
4: still holding out hope that he's just getting acclimated. I know it sounds naive. No, I hope. He's been such a great player for so long. I just hope that he, the quarterbacks don't trust him. him and Dwayne Bowe. Before we
2: go, real quick. Uh, <laughs> winner and score, Mark Sessler.
1: Of what? Oh, my God.
3: There of is the the Thursday night, night game?
1: Yes. Colts, 35 to 10. Wow. Ow! Andrew Luck comes back with a vengeance on the offensive problem. We just solved. ranked the Texans as the, <laughs> as the second worst team in the entire league. That's
4: not crazy. Wes? Uh, I predict that J.J. Watt will have more sacks than the Texans have points. <laughs>
3: all right. Uh, what's the score of the game?
4: <laughs> Colts win. 24 to 6. J.J. Watt has seven
3: sacks. Wow. <laughs> that
2: would be fun. I watch. like your score so much, I agree with it. 24 wow. 6,
3: Colts. I don't think the Colts are very good right now. Nor so. do I. So I'm going to say 17-13, and we get a little entertainment. Some ugly football. Frank Gore, the Inconvenient Truth, bounces back after a tough week. Ryan Mallett, two pick sixes.
2: I reserve the right to change if if uh, change that pick if Luck doesn't play, but Mallett's going to bomb out again, let's be honest.
1: Well, let's be honest. That's a good. T- it's a good show to be honest. On, let's not lie.
2: <laughs> okay. All right. That's it for today's show. Hey, um, Sydney. Uh, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Sydney, <laughs> I just want to check in with you and say, how was your first Sorry, show behind I the? I know. I like I that. Love that music. You're very eager. you
1: did an outstanding. You're like a Google intern, A-plus just job. filled
2: with like, <laughs> hope and uh, belief. Yeah. Well. underlust.
1: <laughs> trying to start on a high note.
2: You are. I think I would you give did. you a solid grade. Nailed uh, it. A plus. For show
1: well, one. okay. Well, Nowhere wow. to go but down. Yeah, exactly. I was just going to say.
2: <laughs> so welcome Only aboard, Sydney. Here. A lot of fun times ahead. That's it for the Around the NFL Podcast Tuesday edition. We'll be back late Thursday, early Friday, so check it out. This is Dan Hansis signing off for The Quiet Storm, the mailman, the boss, and Sydney behind the glass. Until Thursday night.